Hi. Hello there. Okay, I'm done. I can't yeah. do anymore. I'm um, going to try to be more creepy. But... I was going to do an ASMR joke, but I couldn't fucking do it. <laughs> and you're all welcome. Hey. She spared you from that. Hi. Welcome to, to... <laughs> the Dead Magnolias podcast. Again. All right. Well, I'm Nola. I'm Megan. <laughs> and we're weird today. Sorry. We haven't eaten enough. Yeah, I want some lasagna. It's okay. Um, <laughs> I'm feeling like Garfield. Like <laughs> Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I need it. But, uh, yeah, hey, we're here. We're here to talk about spooky stuff. We are. And you know what spooky thing that I did today? What'd you do? I watched You on Netflix. Thank you for putting the on Netflix on yeah. there because it just sounds creepy. Even she said this to me earlier. I was watching you earlier and I was like, um, she's like the show on Netflix. And I was like, oh, that makes more yeah. sense. Uh, the other day on my lunch break, I was going out to my car to watch you on Netflix. Yeah. And my coworker was like, hey, what are you doing for lunch? I was like, oh, I'm going to go to Wendy's and then I'm going to watch you. And, and she, she was like, oh, he, he was like, uh, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's a show on Netflix. I'm going to sit in my car and watch that. Um, so I've been watching that, which is super interesting because it's really good. I'm on the second season. I'm not finished yet. I've finished both seasons. I mean, it's really creepy. The internet has spoiled a lot for me, so I know Aww. what's coming. But You know it's exactly really what's good. coming? I don't know exactly. Okay. I just know that some things are happening. But you is about a young man joe Joe goldberg and he is a fucking lunatic he's a hopeless romantic to the extreme yes is how i would like best describe him and it is actually frightening the first season is unsettling the second season you're just kind of confused the whole time yeah but like he works at a bookstore. A girl comes in and he's like, got this inner monologue like, yeah. ooh, you're here and you're beautiful and you look like you're not trying and you're asking me for a real book. Like not he's just been 50 writing. Shades and yeah. Like, like he's been writing this narrative because the way that he talks is very, like, it seems well rehearsed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And it's to her. And he's like, oh, you're paying, you have enough cash to pay for this, but you give me your card so I know your name. Like, has all these preconceived ideas in his head that are, that could be true, could not be, but he, like, anything somebody does, he's like, oh, you did this for me so that I know this piece of information about you. And so, long story short, there's this girl, she's beautiful, her name is Beck. Yeah. And she comes into the store, and he's like, I like her, I know her name, now I know where she lives, now I know everything about her, and... And he is real weird. Stalks the fuck out of her. Yeah, and he... So the internet has blown up and made fun of this kid relentlessly, because he can put a hat on, and nobody (laughs) knows... It's like the invisibility cloak in Harry Potter, like, nobody knows where he is, or the fact that he's standing right next to somebody... As soon as he puts this hat on. It's like the fucking mask from Cinderella Story. Yeah. Where, like, Hilary Duff puts on this mask, and she, and everybody's like, who is this? I've never seen this person. And it's like, Joe puts this hat on, and nobody can see him at all. It's just so funny. The memes are gold. Right. They're so good. Don't look Um, at any memes for season two. Yeah. Because there's so many to be made. And they'll tell you about things. But, um, yes. Watch you. It's unsettling. It's super creepy, and it could be real. Yeah. I think that's... I don't know. People are, like, drawn to this Joe character. Yeah! Which is so weird to me. There are women out there, and men, who are like, I am thirsty for Joe. Which... I love Joe. Joe is committed. Joe is a great guy. Joe is romantic. It's very Ted Bundy-esque. Yeah. Of, like... There's no way he could have killed all those women. Look how pretty he is. And people are, like, infatuated with pen... Badgley. Badgley. Whatever. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. But a lot of people are. Pin Badgley is telling people no. Yeah, he's like, absolutely not. Like, he is a fuck. Don't be like about him. Do not like Joe. He's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Do not like him. 
there's like even one like interview or I don't know what he's doing. It's like a weird clip thing where he's got the inner dialogue and then he just like looks at the camera and he just goes, fuck Joe. <laughs> so the actor who's playing him does not want people to like him. So watch the show, but don't like him. Yeah. Do not drink the Kool-Aid or the Joe-Aid. I don't know. The Joe-Aid. The Joe-Aid. But uh, yeah. So the scariest thing about the show is that it could be real. And unfortunately, stalkers are real. Yeah. And here is the theme of our episode. (laughs) Yeah. So Megan and I found some true stories uh, all over the (coughs) internet from Reddit as well as headlines. Mm -hmm. And we kind of have our own personal stories. Yeah. Which, yeah. Stalkers, man. I feel like almost everybody has (laughs) some some, sort of... Like, maybe not super extreme, but... Whether it's, like, been people creeping on your Facebook and you have no idea, or... Liking a picture from five years ago, which I have accidentally done. Oops. So we've all kind of been a stalker Mm -hmm. ourselves, but we're going to ignore that, and we're going to go straight to Reddit. Megan, what is your creepy story from Reddit? So, mine is from Reddit user Oddwolf is her name. Um, the title is The Subway Stalker. So I'm just going to go ahead and read her post. Are we thinking, is it New York or is it a restaurant? Yeah, I don't know. When I first read it, I was like, I was convinced it was New York. Like, he was on the subway or like, he, every time she got on, the same guy was in the train station. But that Ooh. it's um, it's the restaurant. Okay. Yeah. So a little backstory. I'm a 20-year-old, short, petite female working at Subway. And I can't help but be nice to anyone even if they creep me out. Yeah, because it's your fucking job. Right. Like, that's fine. You work customer service. That is not on you. (laughs) I feel bad usually. What? I feel bad usually. After she says she's nice to people. Well, she said especially if they're being creeps. So I bet she feels bad after she's being nice to creeps. That makes sense. So I don't know when this was written, but whenever it was written, about a year ago, we had this guy, he was probably 35 to 40 years old, who would come in every day for lunch. He was fascinated by my stretched ears and a few piercings that I had on my face and always asked questions, which I feel like is pretty normal from the get-go. Uh, like ear gauging. Like, yeah. Like I've always thought that was really, I would never do it because ouch, but I am interested like on why people do that. So I think I would ask questions too. Um, not of somebody while they're working though. That's like too personal. But if he comes in much. every day, like a regular, you know, mm-hmm. like think we both worked at restaurants. Yeah. Did you ever have any regulars? Because yeah. I did and I would like, we would strike up conversations because we had that familiarity. I think that if it was somebody that came in for the first time and was like, Hey, tell me everything about your life. I'd be like, oh, uh, no. What are your tattoos? Right. Like, if no, you don't know me, me, don't ask me about my tattoos. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not going to tell it. you. Um, okay, so he would sit down after I rang him out and watch me from his table for two hours nonstop, just staring at me while I helped other customers. That's creepy. That, I don't like that. No. I feel like it, this has gone on for probably some time because he's a regular, so that... and. As, like, you can assume that that is, you know, over weeks mm-hmm. that this is happening. Why did she not tell anybody? Because I would be, like, second time that happened. I'd be, Actually, the first time that would happen, I would tell my manager. Yeah. Uh, so this goes on for about two weeks. Thank you, Reddit user. Every day he would ask for my number saying he had plugs and tunnels he wanted to give me and see me wearing them in my ears. I always politely declined. What's a tunnel? Is that the one without a center? Yes. So it's just like a donut hole. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he didn't know about her piercings or like understand them, yeah, but he's then he's like, I but- have these things for you. No, thanks. Um, one day I'm alone in the store because my manager had to run to the bank. Ugh. No. We were really slow that day, so I was just in the back room messing around on my phone. I heard the door chime, looked up, and yet no one was there. This reminds me of that episode of No Sleep Podcast. Oh, and the... Of the Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut. Ah! Where she's like, she hears the door, nobody's there, and then she walks out and he's just standing there right outside of where the camera catches. Uh, so then I saw the man walk past the front of the store really quickly, like he was in a hurry. No. The store phone rings. Uh-huh. Me. Thanks for calling Subway. How can I help you? Him. 
This is the girl with the nice ears, right? Uh, no, my ears are deformed, <laughs> sir. Right? No, I don't have ears. Um, <laughs> I cut them off. Me. Um, yes, who is this? Him. Are you alone in the back room right now? Are you working by yourself? Ah! Uh. <laughs> like, I got... <laughs> I got tears in my eyes even thinking about that because it creeped me out so no. bad. So at this point, I got really creeped out and knew it was him. I hung up and texted my manager the situation so she would hurry back. He called again, this time asking me very weird questions, like what I would do with him in a room with the door locked, if I had a boyfriend, why I was playing hard to get, etc. I would be stabbing you, sir, if we were in a room alone with the door locked. Yeah, we would never, you would never have that opportunity, so (laughs) I'm in a door that's, it's locked. And you're, you're not on getting the other back side here. Yeah. <laughs> My manager gets back and I tell her everything. In the middle of lo- the lunch rush, he calls again. This time, my manager answers, and to this day, she never told me what he said, but the look on her face made my spine shiver. She told him if he ever called or showed up here again, she would call the police. Whew. Oh, God. So that, like, you know, would hope, you would hope that that would be the end of that. Yeah. Um,. Uh, but here it goes. But it's not. Right. I thought that was the end of it, but alas, I was wrong. Oh, poor girl. One week later, I'm clocking out and getting ready to walk to my car parked in the front of the store. And when I look outside, I see him standing by my car and looking inside of it. No. I would not go outside. I'd be like, no, I'm good. I was an idiot and left the back door unlocked. I watched him crawl inside and shut the door. The creep was trying to hide in my fucking back seat and do God knows what to me when I got in. My manager locked the front door of our store and called the police. When they arrived, they pretty much had to drag him out of my car, and he was arrested. On him was a butcher knife, rope, and a rag with chloroform on it. If I hadn't looked up when I did, I would probably be dead right now. Oh my God. Like it was just pure happenstance that she saw him get into the car. That's terrifying. That is frightening. I literally check my backseat every time I get in the car, but I'm always afraid somebody's going to be in my trunk because my trunk's just exposed because I have an SUV. Yeah. No, thank you. Fuck that. Like, don't hit on people at work. No. Don't do it. They're like, Um, they're trapped there. So you're like putting them in a, in a weird spot. Also don't hide people's backseats and chloroform them. Yeah. Just stay. How do you even get that? I don't know. Do you have to buy it on the black market? I feel like that's not just like a thing that you can go to the drugstore and get. I don't think it is. I mean, I know it's I don't not. Know. I, don't I just know. don't know I don't, how somebody gets it. I don't normally kidnap people, so I don't know how to obtain chloroform. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> a damn. butcher knife, rope, and a rag. Buh. Jesus. All right. You ready for my next one? Yeah. <laughs> so mine is also a potential kidnapping. And the title is Potential Kidnapping. (laughs) (laughs) So the user said, this is going to be long, so I apologize in advance, but it was creepy as hell. It's actually not that long, but whatever. (laughs) We'll get into this. So I was at the local grocery store. I visit weekly to shop for food. I normally spend 100 to 200 bucks a week on food for myself and my family. How much? So I always leave with a full cart. 100 to 200. I don't a week? Know. Yeah. What? I don't even know why that's relevant to the story. <laughs> I'm standing in the checkout line, minding my business, when a tall man, I'd guess early 40s, approached me and complimented my hair. Nope. Your hair is gorgeous. Loud enough for everyone within a 20-foot radius to hear. Now Witnesses. I, yes. <laughs> now, I appreciate a compliment as much as the next girl, but it was a little obnoxious to say the least. I thanked him politely and redirected my attention to my cart, where I awkwardly started organizing the items in hopes that the 15 pairs of eyes now staring in my direction would look elsewhere. Unfortunately, Loudmouth didn't take a hint. He started asking rapid-fire questions and statements, barely pausing for me to get a word in edgewise, uh, before the next sentence would spill out of his mouth. So he's just accosting her in this line like, blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> well, at least she's got 15 pairs of yes, eyes on her. thank God. Uh, This is when it gets really awkward, as if it wasn't weird enough. 
He asks if I want to go out with him sometime. Maybe tonight, after I put my groceries away. He could come to my house and help me put groceries away. And then we could leave from there. No. (laughs) No. I don't even... She doesn't even know his name at this point. He's just like, I like your hair. Can I come help you put away your groceries? Let's go on a date. (laughs) No. So, (laughs) she said... I told him I didn't think my husband would appreciate that, and he got angry. I was freaked out at this point, and everyone was still staring. After I rejected his offer, his mood changed so fast it was like a light switch got flipped, and the compliments turned into nasty insults and curses. Mind you, this guy didn't have a cart or anything in his hand to buy. He was kind of standing off to the side, kind of leaning on one of the drink refrigerator displays. Thankfully, a gentleman who was in the aisle within my sight, who presumably heard the whole thing, came up behind us and asked him if he was in line. Loudmouth said no. Gentleman promptly told him he was being inappropriate, loud, and needed to buzz off. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this should have happened a while ago. It should have happened a long time ago. Fifteen pairs of eyes on her, it took that long for somebody to be like, hey, fuck off. Like, leave her alone. Yeah. Especially once he started getting rude with her. Like, what the fuck? So, um, to my surprise, Loudmouth stepped aside and with one final insult, stomped out of the store. I thanked the gentleman and we continued waiting in line, me with an entire week of groceries and him with a bottle of Gatorade. I offered to let him go in front of me and he declined saying that he wasn't in a rush. It was really like one of those scenes in a movie where the nice tough guy saves the girl from the jackass. See, I would make somebody walk me out to my car after he left. (laughs) (laughs) Even so, I was afraid Loudmouth would be waiting outside. So I asked the cashier to call one of her coworkers to walk me to my car. Hey. So she's thinking ahead. She's thinking ahead. Good. Gentleman insisted that he would be happy to escort me to my car, and I accepted. Hmm. But as I stood there watching the cashier ring my items, I was overcome by this sick feeling like I was going to vomit everywhere. Wait, what if they knew each other? Oh, God. I decided it was just my nerves, as I have issues with anxiety, and this reaction is pretty normal. It typically passes within a few minutes once I mentally talk myself down. But for fear of further embarrassment, this time in the form of projectile vomiting in the middle of a grocery store, I hurriedly paid, hurriedly. (laughs) I hurriedly (laughs) paid. I hurriedly paid and took a seat on a bench close by. I told the gentleman, never mind, and I was a little freaked out, so I was going to call my husband to come pick me up instead. I skipped too far. Uh, We'd get the car later. I didn't care. I just wanted to make it home in one piece. (laughs) She'd be on the final girls team with us. Yeah, she would. Uh, He told me to have a nice day and walked out of the door. Hand to God, as soon as he walked out of the building, I felt normal again. So, still blaming my anxiety, I felt sort of silly. But I'd already called my husband, so I stood up and pushed my car over to the window to watch for my ride. Just in time to see a junky white SUV drive by with, freaking wait for it, <laughs> gentleman in the passenger seat and loudmouth in the driver's seat. Oh. I about shit myself. My God. <laughs> as soon as you were like, it, she felt bad, I was like, oh my God, I bet those two are connected. Like the, the two men. Yes. Oh my God. So... Yeah, this is a ploy. That's like, and that happens. Like, yeah. that she's not the only person that's ever happened to. Gross. Why are people so fucking yes. weird? Ugh. So I know it's not like your classic stalking story, but people get stalked in grocery stores right. all the time, and it's just. Ugh. I'm yeah. so glad that she like had a good head and was like actually i'm just gonna call my husband fuck this right i'm freaked out especially when you have like a family at home yeah. you don't want anything to happen to you especially with your 100 to 200 dollars a week of groceries that's such what a job weird, do you have such a weird detail yeah huh so that was reddit reddit's got a lot of different ones reddit's um, got a lot of things yes a lot of things it's a collection of just a lot of weird and there's a lot of cool ghost stories on Reddit, too. Yeah. So, real stalker stories, huh? Like, our yeah. personal ones. Yeah, we can do that. You guys ready to hear some personal spooky shit? Ugh. I heard someone say yes. Me. Yes. I'm ready. <laughs> oh. oh, fuck. Who was that? We don't know. Your viewers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, viewers. So, my 
stalker story happened back when I was, I want to say I was like 14 or 15. No, I would have been 13 or 14. Uh, I only remember that because I started dating my boyfriend in high school when I was 15. So it couldn't have been then. But I went to Las Vegas every year with my dad um, from when I was like 11 until I was about 18. And one particular trip, we were headed back and our flight got switched. So we were flying um, like a direct flight to Columbus instead of stopping in Denver and then going off. So it was a bit of a delay. So we were at the airport for a little bit longer and I was sitting there and there was a boy my age at the terminal like and he was headed to Columbus and I was like man he's kind of cute um I was telling Nola I haven't told her this story yet yeah but this is all my fault um everything that happened is literally all because I am an idiot but like oh my god I couldn't have guessed it's not your fault for what people do when they react to kindness yeah and that is my biggest beef with with stalkers Mm -hmm. so So, keep going and don't blame yourself again or i'm gonna punch you in the throat okay that would be my fault huh uh so we started talking at the airport and it was like friendly enough his his name was matthew if you're listening to this buzz off go away um (laughs) but we got on the plane and he was sitting like I don't know, 10 rows behind me or something. And every so often, you know, we would peek out into the aisle, smile at each other, whatever. So, (laughs) yeah, it was, I thought I had just found the love of my life uh, because I was 13. And we get back to Columbus, but we, I think we had exchanged numbers by then anyway. And that was real dumb. I don't give my number out very often anymore um, because of him, but Oh, that's right. We were texting on the plane because the plane was going to take off in Vegas, but it got delayed taking off because it was so hot outside that the plane wouldn't have made it over the mountains if they tried to take off when they did. So we had to wait a little bit. So we were just like texting on the plane. Get to Columbus and he tells me he wants to like keep talking to me, whatever. And I was like, that's fine because, you know, we're like 14, 13, 14. And I'm like, this is so cool. I met somebody at an airport. All good love stories start like this. And we'll probably (laughs) never see each other again. Because he was from, like, Columbus, Columbus. And I was living in Springfield at the time. So we texted on and off for the next few weeks. And I remember he asked me if I wanted to be his girlfriend. And I thought that was weird. We hadn't talked on the phone. We had just texted. I said yes because I was in eighth grade and that's what you do um but after like a day I was like really creeped out because once I said yes I got so many text messages like so many just back to back and I was like this is weird so the next day I texted him and broke up with him and I was like I this (laughs) is yeah I was like this is weird um we don't know each other like the likelihood of us seeing each other again in the next few years is like very low because neither of us drive um and he's like no like I love you this should work and I was like that's weird Uh... we don't know each other let me remind you um you can't love me (laughs) and I'm unlovable yeah no I wish that I was in this moment um So I told him, I I said that that couldn't be possible um, in my eighth grade eloquence and told him that we shouldn't talk anymore. And he was like, no, I don't agree. I'm going to keep texting you. And I was like, oh, God, what did I start? (laughs) Um, what? So I stopped responding to him because I was like, this is it was starting to like really scare me. Um. And he would text every day around the same time, but it almost, like, had something to do with what I was doing. Um, And I was like, this is weird. He does not live here. Like, I know he's not here. Uh, He just has to be a really good guesser. But then I blocked his number for a while, and then I went to Columbus. I was with my Aunt Kathy, and I was sitting in her car, 
and I had unblocked his number or I had like gotten a new phone so it unblocked things I don't know how that worked I somehow his number got unblocked um and I was sitting in a Barnes and Noble parking lot and he texted me so I was like how'd you know that I didn't I didn't I don't think that I responded to him but I had had his number blocked for so long and then the day that it gets unblocked he texts me while I'm in Columbus and I was like oh god and I'm like looking at the bushes in front of me just convinced he's in there just watching me (laughs) um I forget how we like ended up finally falling out of communication but he just texted me all the time just because we talked once at an airport we never saw each other past that I couldn't tell you what his last name is I do remember his first name was Matthew and that's all I can remember but yeah that's the guy who fell in love with me and wouldn't leave me alone. Damn. Yep. And it's just, like, so funny how, like, technology has just made this stuff so rampant, too. Just and it's like, worse now. Because, like... Back then, I just had my, like, flip envy thing with the mm-hmm. keyboard. Like, so many of the things I was reading on Reddit was, like, people, like, whose ex-boyfriends or ex-girlfriends would, like, constantly text them. Right. Find their emails, find their work emails, get on Facebook, Instagram, Mm -hmm. like, all these things, and just harass them on all these different platforms. Yep. It is insane. Too easy now. Ugh. So, you have a fun one. Oh, God. So, mine's a work one. That's why I got really heated during the subway thing. So, I work at a library, And my job is literally to be nice to people. Mm -hmm. Like, we are a library. We are there for the community. We're there to support people, help people. Um, We're not just about books. Right. So there were these two older guys, like at least 50 or something like that. Maybe close to 50 Mm -hmm. if they weren't yet. But uh, they were just weird. They were hanging around for a while, and they just come up to the desk where I am, and they just, like, start talking to me, which... Customer service jobs are all pretty much just like bartenders. Right. Where people will tell you their life stories. And Entire just, life stories. They just want to talk. They want somebody to listen to them. And so we weren't busy. So and I was you're humoring stuck it. there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm held hostage by my job at this point. <laughs> but so I'm like standing there and like it starts off kind of normal. And then like one of the guys starts like pumping up the other guy. He's like, oh, this is. This is Alan. This is Senor Alan. He used to teach Spanish. He's awesome. Tell her about the time you went to Argentina. And he was like, yeah, I went to Argentina. And they had, like, steaks that were, like, so good. But I didn't have to pay that much because the economy's bad down there. But I was, like, a teacher, so I made good money. And blah, blah, blah. Did you hold out your right hand then and just say slap a ring on it? Because I want some of those steaks. It would be on my left hand. Oops. Um, (laughs) but like, I'm just like, just sitting there and I'm just like nodding like, oh, that's like interesting. That's cool. And he was like, so what does your shirt mean? And I was like, oh, I'm, it's, it was a Ravenclaw t-shirt. I work at a library. I'm into Harry Potter. I'm a Ravenclaw. So I I have the shirt on because it's fitting for the atmosphere and he's like, oh, what is that? And I was like, oh, it's um, it's a thing that deals with Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. He's like, they've got different houses that you can be sorted into. I'm Ravenclaw. And he's like, oh, what does that mean? And I was like, oh, it means I'm smart or creative or whatever. Uh, right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> stop talking to me. I'm just um, smart. Yeah. I work here. And he was like, oh, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. You know what? I like you. You're not one of those Ariana Grande types. You're well-rounded. What does that mean? I didn't. For a, a quick minute, I was like, are you calling me fat? <laughs> That's like, so strange. It's so weird. That's so weird to and say to someone you have no idea who they are. At that point, my manager's standing right next to me, and she, like, looks at me, and she, like, shuffles a little bit and stands right next to me. And I was like, uh, uh thanks. He's like, yeah, I can tell that you've got, like, a lot of depth. Like, you're really smart, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to say hello to you. No. And I was like, <laughs> uh. This is actually my last day, sir. And, like. My face just completely fell, like, because I was, like, yeah. I was a neutral customer service face, and then it dawned on me that I was being hit on at work, and I was, like, Ugh. So, like, he left, and my manager was, like, we're going to take note of that. That was weird. Yeah. I don't like that. Um, and the security guard at your work found out about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's, like, super on to stuff like that. Right. Real awesome so, guy. Yes. Um, 
like maybe a week later. Mm-hmm. I'm standing at the desk again, and I'm wearing another Ravenclaw shirt because <laughs> <laughs> I have two. Come on. So I'm like standing in front of the desk because we're not supposed to stand behind it all the time. Blah right. blah. And he walks up, and like I was like, oh hello, and then and I was like, oh. Yeah. This guy. So I'm standing there and I'm like not behind the desk and he keeps like stepping towards me more mm-hmm. and I keep stepping back and he's like, oh, you've got your shirt. So like what makes you, what makes you think that you're like part of the intelligentsia? Tell me more. And I was like, ah, uh, like, is there anything I can help you with? Right. Library related. Like just trying and to then, brush him off. Like I had my hands in front of me and I was wearing like a short sleeve t-shirt so you can see my tattoos. And right. And I was like, oh, what's... What's that? Ah, like, that's where the don't ask me about my tattoos comes in. Fucking tattoos. And like it was referencing my forearm tattoo and I just put my arms behind my back and I was like, sir, is there anything I can help you with library related? He's like, I just came to say hi. Like I came to say hello, talk to you. Like, nope. Like I said, I would. And I was like, is there anything I can help you with that's library related? And then at that point he was like, well, I guess not. And then he left. I never saw him again. That's so weird. <laughs> like. It's been, like, maybe a year, and it still, like, freaks me out. Like, every once in a while when I see somebody that, like, looks kind of like him, I, like, get anxiety. And I know that it only happened, like, twice. But still, it was creepy. It's it's creepy. It's scary. Like, I'm at my place of work. Like, you know where I am most of my life. Right. You know where I am for at least 40 hours a week. Yes. And, ugh. That is creepy. It's gross. I hated that. Dude, like... I cannot stress this enough. Do not take kindness as flirting, especially when the person is working. Right. Like, that is especially not their Especially a customer fault. service position. Customer service, they are being paid to be kind to you. They are not flirting with you. I guarantee it. If you think maybe for a second that they are, just assume that they're not and go on your merry way. If they are flirting with you in actuality, they will let you know. Like, don't fucking do it. This shit gets me heated. (laughs) So, also, if you're working customer service and people do this and you're like, what am I doing wrong? Nothing. You're doing your fucking job. You are fine. The person's a creep. You are good. Don't hate yourself, you beautiful customer service angel. All right. Now I'm off my soapbox. Let's go. (laughs) She jumped off of it. I destroyed it. All right. So... We both um, did our research of, like, actual stalker stories. We just wanted to do, like, some real-life Reddit user things that were short, um, just as kind of an intro. Yeah. Because, like, not all of the stalker stories are going to be, like, U-level, newsline-worthy, or headline-worthy. Headline-worthy. Sorry, I'm still, like, heated from my speech. It's okay. It's all right. (laughs) It's a good thing I'm going first. I'll give her time to cool down. Um, So... We came up with this idea to do the Stalkers episode a long time ago, but we decided we were going to do it last week, Um, so we prepared notes. But I had heard of a story a couple years ago that made it to the news eventually, about three-ish years after it, like, actually happened, Um, and it's the story of The Watcher. So... Ooh. It's That's like ominous. It's creepy. Um, I remember when I first read about it, I was like, there's no fucking way. That's real. But then you look it up and it's everywhere. So this actually happened to a family. Um, it's a little different from most stalker stories that you're going to hear. There's no one person that the family is like seeing constantly, but they receive letters detailing activities in their new home um, and about themselves and their children. Ooh. Yeah. That, I would, mm, we'll get into it. So, in June of 2014. <clears throat> oh, the, so that's not long ago No, yeah, it was only six years ago. The Broadus family bought a new home for their five-member family. So, it was um, Derek and Maria and their three children. So, this house was a dream for them. They had wanted to move to Westfield, New Jersey for a long time because Maria actually grew up about three blocks away from the house that they live in now. Uh, but they had to save up for it. It was a $1.3 million house. Jesus Christ. And their last house, I think, was around, like, seven fifty. So this was, like, a bigger investment for them. But three days after closing, Derek was at the house doing some painting uh, because the house needed some renovations before they could, like, get themselves moved in. And he went outside. On a 
over million dollar house that should have okay well it's an old old house okay so the town that they moved to westfield um think of like bexley in ohio um or like cape cod area in rhode island yes yeah um so it's just like a very popular neighborhood that's near a lot of like bigger things i think it's about 30 minutes away from new york city so popular area uh, but he went outside to check the mail and he saw a white envelope with to the new owner written on the envelope and that's it uh, yeah so he opened it up and it reads dearest new neighbor at 657 boulevard allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood how did you end up here did 657 boulevard call you to its for or call you call to you with its force within uh what yeah did the house call to you like how did you get here no (laughs) 657 boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now and as it approaches its 110th birthday i have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming what the fuck does that mean i have no idea it's like this person has believes this house is like an entity instead of just a A house. house um My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. They're there to live. Yeah. This isn't even the end of the letter, uh, but it went on to detail things going on at the house, identifying the family's minivan in the, the driveway, the contractors who were at the house fixing things, and then telling the family that the house would be upset because they were changing it from what it was supposed to be originally. Um, so all of that was really creepy. And then he went on to say that he had seen Derek and Maria's three children running around in the yard. So this is another excerpt from the letter, the first one. Do I need to fill the house, or do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Which says to me, it's never stated this, but it says to me that they're either planning on having more kids or Maria's pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, Because he says, I think, at one point that he saw at least three kids. So that says to me she's probably pregnant. So it was a house too small for the growing family. Or was it greed to bring me your children? So did you buy this house just because you were feeling greedy? Who needs a $1.3 million house for five people? Like, there's, I think there's six bedrooms in the house. So once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. No, you won't. Yeah. So all of the letters that we're going to be reading, they all came without a return address. In the first letter, the author had asked the question that everyone is dying to know. He said, who am I? And he answered the question like this. There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I'm in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. The letter was concluded with the suggestion that this message would not be the last. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. And he signed the letter. The Watcher. Oh, God. So that is creepy enough that I would be like, maybe we made a mistake. Um, But that's just the beginning of the nightmare for this family. So when Derek received the letter, it was like, I think they said it was about 10 o'clock at night. Um, so he ran around the house, turning on all the lights, and he called the police. And a direct quote from one of the cops is he looks at the letter and he's like, what the fuck is this? Because he's like, "This is, we've never had this happen. Like, what's going mm-hmm. on? So the police came. They were concerned and they were confused. They told him to get some stuff off of the back porch for fear that this guy would come and, like, throw something through a window and try to break in. Um... And told them to keep an eye out, and if anything else happened, to give them another call. But absolutely under no circumstances were they to talk to anybody about this, because all of their neighbors are now suspects. Because 
if he's looking in the house, they're ex- like, assuming that proximity yeah. is coming into this. Uh, but Especially since it's like generational right. stalking. And there's really nothing they can do at this point because it's like he doesn't name a time, he doesn't name a place, he doesn't specifically like threaten anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so Derek went home. They were still living at their other house at this point. And he and his wife emailed the family that they had purchased the house from. I believe the family was the Jones family. Scared for his family, Derek wanted to know if that family had gotten similar letters just as he'd received. Unfortunately, they lived there for 23 years, uh, and they never had anything happen until about three days before they moved out. Oh, God. Yeah. So they were getting ready to move out. They got a letter that had basically said this guy had been watching their house um, and knew that new people were going to move in. And, like, they threw away the letter. So there's no, like, track of what this letter said fully. Um, But obviously Derek and Marie are pissed at this point because they were like, why didn't you say anything? We we signed the papers after you got this letter Mm -hmm. and you said nothing. Uh, So for the next few weeks, everybody's on high alert. The police told them, again, not to tell anybody about the letters because uh, neighbors were now suspects. And Derek refused. Like, he took a lot of time off work because he didn't want his family to be alone at the house. And Maria didn't let the kids get out of her line of sight ever. And if they even, like, started to, she would run outside and scream for them to get back in the, like, front part of the yard. Mm-hmm. Um, so one day, Maria ended up being at the house with just the contractors um, because she had to pick out some paint samples and she noticed another letter in the mailbox. So that one started Mr. and Mrs. Braddis, not Broadus is their last name, but Braddis, so it was misspelled. But obviously it was close enough to where whoever's writing the letters was either, either, either around and heard somebody call to them or just didn't know how to spell their last name and is somebody they have interacted with. Mm-hmm. Um, so the letter went on to describe her children in detail. Oh, God. Including birth order and the names that she had been calling out when they were running around the yard. So, like, not their actual, like, birth names? Nicknames. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Uh, he says, I'm pleased to know your names now and the young blood that you have brought to me. You Ugh, certainly blood. say their names often. I would just cry all the time. He went on to talk about one of her children who likes um, painting. She has an easel set up in the front room of the house. And he said about her, is she the artist of the family? So she's obviously scared. She's like, this person's been watching my family, watching my kids, knows their names now. And he already said in the previous letter he was going to call to them if he knew their name. Um... But the rest of the letter is 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement? Or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep Um. in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in each bedroom. Then I can plan better. There's still more. But it's like, just hearing that is like, what the fuck is going on? Oh my god. Like, I would be so scared. Um, All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher and have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. Which says to me there was more than one letter that they received unless he's just like making shit up. Uh, I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought you the past, or what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard. And now it has brought you to me. Uh, 
Have a happy moving in day. You know I'll be watching. No. Yeah. So <sighs> I would never move in. Uh, <laughs> no, I would not. So I think at this point there's got to be like a clause. I know that they signed to close, but there's got to yeah. be like some way for them to get out of it at this point. Like for fear that their family's going to be harmed. Yes. Uh, there's just no way. You'd get me to sleep in that house when I have three young kids, possibly one on the way, and my husband's out of town for work all the time. No. So, after this letter, the family stopped bringing the kids to the house out of concern for their safety. And three weeks after that, though, another letter arrived asking where they had been, saying that 657 Boulevard was missing them. And I'm like, dude, back off. (laughs) Did they ever look in the basement? Was there stuff in the basement? Um, not that I remember. Like, I think that they had people come check the house out, but there was nobody ever there. When the family brought the police this um, and told them to come by the house, they had to say that whoever writing, was writing the letters was really watching the house intently because things they mentioned were not visible from the street. Like, that easel, you couldn't see it from the street. You had to be in the backyard. Um, or it was a neighbor. So, about a week after the first letter had arrived... The Broadus family had attended a barbecue at their neighbor's house, the Langfords. Um, they hadn't told anybody about the letters, but they were there to see if anybody was, like, acting abnormally or watching them, you know. Asking <laughs> too many questions. Right. Because they wanted to see if they could, like, figure it out before it became an actual issue. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> Derek struck up a conversation with a neighbor from, like, two houses down. Um, and in the... He, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, and this neighbor brought up the Langfords in the middle house. So it was Derek and Maria's house, the Langfords, and then this other neighbor. Um, But the Langfords had been living in their home for quite some time and had a son that lived in the basement who was, like, compared to as, like, a Boo Radley type. Ooh. So just kind of, like, weird and off. Recluse type situation. So, they literally described him, Michael Michael Langford was a man with a beard, and he didn't work and mainly kept to himself downstairs in the house. Like, he was taking care of his mom, um, because his mom was, like, in her 90s. So, a little bit of assumption here, but Derek was like, I've cracked the case. It has to be him, because from their house, they can see my entire place. Mm -hmm. Like, any room that they're in in their house, they can look and see a different part of my house. Uh, So, he goes to the police. And he's like, hey, this family's lived there as long as this person said that the house has been being watched. Can you bring him in for questioning? Uh, So they bring in Michael because they were like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, he says he's been in charge of the house after his dad. And his dad died 12 years ago. Michael Langford's did. So that would give Michael the new title of the watcher if he happened to be behind all this. Mm Mm-hmm. All of it made a lot of sense in Derek's mind. But the police brought Langford in and came up with nothing. He claimed to know nothing about the letters. He hadn't been watching them. Um, I think he had mentioned, like, he doesn't even interact with them. He's like, I, I haven't talked to them. Um, so the police told the broadest family that unless he confessed, there was nothing they could do to him because they didn't have any, like, hardline evidence. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Right. <clears throat> Just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> gotta be so afraid i know so they moved into the house well they closed on the house in june so by the end of 2014 the investigation had stalled they couldn't come up with any leads so despite the police not thinking that anything would come from these threats because they were like he hasn't acted on it he sent letters but like nothing's happening um derek's like fuck that he told me he was gonna take my kids and you are saying you can't do anything about it. And he's like, if anything happens to my kids, you'll have another case on your hands. And he's like, because back where I come from, if this stuff happens, we beat somebody's ass. And he's like, so if you don't take care of it, I will. And I was like, dude, do your thing. Papa bear. <laughs> um, so he set up cameras around the house and he hired private investigators to look into their neighbors. Another private investigator looked into Michael Langford again and came up with nothing. Um So, no leads came from any of those PIs. They received another letter about the house after more renovations had been made. The watcher was not happy about them, and he made sure to let them know. 
He said, the house is crying from all the pain it is going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room, imagining the life with rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. This never gets explained that he like this young blood thing. Then it got old, and so did my father, but he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. It's just weird. This time, the family did not let the letters slow them down. They continued on with the renovations, adding even more security around the house. They were like, nope, fuck this. We're going to get a camera in every vantage point of the house. Oh, yeah. Me, too. Uh, Fuck. So they continued building, but the anxiety about the move kept growing. They were like, we're going to keep doing this, but we still really do not feel comfortable moving our family into this house. Um, Because they knew that the watcher was still out there, whoever this person was. So this whole ordeal was weighing really heavily on Derek and Maria. Maria was actually diagnosed with pretty severe post-traumatic stress disorder. I mean... uh, Which makes a lot of sense when somebody's threatening your kids. Uh, And she had... Her and Derek both had pretty severe cases of paranoia uh, that affected every aspect of their lives. And the doctors didn't see any of this going away until they got rid of the house. Because they were like, this is toxic. That's what's causing all of this. Um, so about six months had passed after the first letter and the Broadduses decided they were just going to sell. Problem was the house sat empty for six months and potential buyers were now skeptical about moving in because they were concerned about their own safety. They're like, you bought this house and then you're saying all this stuff happened. You won't even move in and you want me to buy this house. (laughs) I wouldn't buy it either. No. Um, several bids did come in just insanely below asking price so they bought it for 1.3 and people were offering them like 650,000 Jesus so they were like no we can't take that big of a financial hit we've got three kids um so a family ended up renting from them but there was a clause in the renters agreement that if the renters received a letter they were allowed to leave mm-hmm. um that only took two weeks they had been there for about two weeks they had it was a husband and wife, their two kids and two dogs, I think. Uh, and they got a letter threatening not only the family, but also the dogs, saying it would be unfortunate if someone were to hurt or die, or to get hurt or die suddenly. So obviously they moved out. Um, they were like, no, we're good. Um, and then after this, it never explains how the media got a hold of it, but the media got a hold of this story. And then the whole thing blew up. So there were over, like, 300 reporters at the house asking questions that the Broadduses, like, did not know how to answer. Um, So the investigation went on with dead ends on any leads they picked up. So the most ridiculous theory about all of this, in my opinion, was that the Broadduses actually wrote these letters to themselves. Ugh. That is ridiculous. So the theory... That people thought up, they were like, well, these people probably had buyer's remorse, um, and they were just trying to get out of the sale, and they didn't know how to do that other than to fake threaten themselves. Well, why so would they continue working on the house, like painting and right. doing the construction? And that's where the theory fell short, because um, it doesn't make any sense that they would spend so much more money on top of the 1.3 that they spent buying the house, renovating it, if they're never going to move into it. Like, yeah. they never had plans to. Um, and also on one of the letters, they did get a DNA sample that matched a woman. They don't know who it is, but it didn't match Maria. So they were like, okay, so it wasn't them. Um, so all the theories seem to end on dead ends as well. The Broadduses even went as far as suing the previous owners of the house, um, for not disclosing the nature of the letter that they had received right before they moved out. Like that should have been, uh, one of the things that they legally were supposed to tell someone. Yeah. Um, so they tried to sell it again in 2016, no bites, and a real estate lawyer told them to try and sell it to, like, a development company to tear it down and build two things, like, two houses on the property, 
And the housing committee in Westfield rejected that really quickly. So they were just at a loss. Like, like you people, know what they're going through. Why right. the fuck are you making it so much harder for them? And that, and that's another theory, too, is that everybody in the town was in on it because they didn't want these people to move in. So they were just, like, scaring them. But then wouldn't let them leave. It's really weird. That is super fucking strange. Right. Like, if you're so concerned about it, buy it from them as a committee and make it, like... A historical thing. A historical house or, like, a party house for your neighborhood right. or something like that. Like... They could have helped those people out. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> so. I hate people sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah, those are awful. Um, the Broadduses are at a loss here, and they just decide they're going to rent the property out to people. Um, unfortunately, the rent money does not cover their mortgage, so they're oh still slowly losing money until they pay this house off. Um, and the people who rent also do receive letters still. But the watcher is not the only person that's sending them. Um, because of the house's notoriety, people from like all cats. over, yeah, will just send them letters. Um, and the fourth and final letter that the Broadduses received just says, The house despises you. And Derek told the reporters that he showed, he said, The watcher won. He's like, We, we gave up. Like, we weren't going to do this because <laughs> they were like afraid for their lives. Yeah. Um, but that's all on that story. There's a really good. BuzzFeed Unsolved episode on season five. It's season five, episode one. Uh, if you guys want to check that out and see the house. But yeah, that one's crazy. That's actually insane. Mm-hmm. That's so weird. Yeah. No, I read that probably back in 2017 when it like resurfaced mm-hmm. um, and was blown away. Because it just sounds like a, a horror movie. Yeah. Like it doesn't sound like something that would be real. But what did you have? Um, so I have been very intrigued by the, by the idea of fans, mm-hmm. like, stalking celebrities yeah. and, like, ultimately killing them. Because, first of all, it makes no goddamn sense to me. Like, if you love somebody so much, you're going to stalk them and then murder them. Nobody else can have them, man. Like, so that, you know, like, obviously there's, like, the big hitters, like, John Lennon and Selena. Taylor um, Swift has a lot of stalkers. But, like, these two yeah, they're dead. were shot and killed mm-hmm. by... Uh, John Lennon had a fan yeah. who was upset that he had made some hubris claims, like, the Beatles are bigger than Jesus, and his song, Imagine, mm-hmm. like, talking about, like, no religion and stuff. So when John Lennon said those things, this fan was like, actually, fuck you, John Lennon. And then, okay... This guy was insane because he, like, stalked him outside of his house all day, shook his son's hand, got an autograph by him, like, Mm -hmm. mere hours before he killed him. And that's just crazy to me. So there's that. And then Selena was murdered by the president of her fan club. Yeah, I think so. Was, like, embezzling money or some shit and killed her, which is, like, that's so fucked up. Yeah, that was a really Um, sad one. But I found another case online... Uh, about Teresa Saldana. So she's not, like, a super big name. Yeah. But she is an actress uh, from the 70s and 80s. Her, like, biggest role is probably Lenore from Raging Bull. Ooh. So that De Niro boxer movie. Oh, okay. So she's in that, and she's gorgeous. So she had caught the attention... And the obsession of a Scottish drifter, 47-year-old Arthur Richard Jackson. Hmm. So much that he moved to the United States to be close to her in 1982. Yikes. So he saw her in something. I don't know what he was a fan of, but he was like, she's beautiful. I love her. I'm moving countries so I can be close to her. That's already bad. Yes. So it was his fantasy, his dream, and his plan not only to find her, but also to kill her and die himself by execution so that they could eternally be together in the afterlife. No. That just blows my mind. Like, I love you so much. I don't know you. I love you so much. I'm going to kill you. It it really is that idea of, like, I don't... I can't live with anybody else having you. I I have to be the last person. Because they're... I mean, I'm sure somewhere in their crazed mind they know that this person will never be with them. So they're like, well, you can't be with anybody else either. Ugh. So, 
that's his dream. He moves to the U.S. Once he's here, Jackson hired a private investigator to obtain whatever information he could on Saldana. He's able to gain access to her mother's private telephone number and called impersonating a representative for Martin Scorsese. He claimed a need to reach Teresa to discuss a possible film role. So he's like playing on her profession like, hey, I'm working for a big time director. We need Teresa. We need her for this. So Zaldana's mother provided him with her residential address and there he waited for her outside of West Hollywood. They don't do Um, that anymore. No, <laughs> like, like her mom was probably so excited and so proud for her that right. she was like, oh, my baby's getting called by Martin Scorsese. Like, this is a big deal. So she was, like, more than happy to do that. Um, yeah. So he's, like, camping outside of her home. Now she exes- exits in broad daylight. He attacked her, stabbing her ten times with a hunting knife in the torso. What? And he stabbed her so many times, like, she was inches within her life like 10 times 10 times um it said that he did so with such fury and such power that the knife he used became bent (gasps) so it was just like so aggressive that he like fucked up the knife Uh, a delivery man who was in an apartment building um close by noticed and he like ran past a bunch of onlookers and rushed to her side and got jackson off of her and this postman saved her life. Oh, my God. So, like, this dude was like, this is happening. Fuck this guy. Right. And, like, completely saved her, which is crazy and just awesome. Um, Go, Mr. Postman. Right? So, Jackson was convicted of attempted murder and given a 12-year sentence. While in prison, he continued to make threats against Saldana and began to also direct them at the man who saved her. Which, that yeah. kind of blows my mind. Like, I get that you're in prison. You can write letters to people. Right. But, like... I feel like threatening letters should not make it outside of the prison. Yeah, don't they like, read them? I know for sure they do now. Right. Like Maybe that, after all yeah. that happened, they were like, oh, maybe uh, we should screen guy. these. <laughs> so, sending her letter after letter, the actress lived in fear for her life. He would write that if, she, if it wasn't him, he had friends that could kill her. And that upon his release, he promised he would find her and finish what he started. She suffered from anxiety and insomnia and was even hospitalized for the trauma she endured and the ongoing harassment. Good lord. Yeah. Jackson was later extradited to the UK, thank God, yeah. for an unrelated crime and later died there in 2004 at the age of 68. So, like, he just completely fucked up her life. But uh, she decided to, like, overcome this right. and be a voice for people, which was really cool. Uh, she later played herself in a movie... Victims for Victims, the Teresa Saldana story. That came out in 1984. So she was telling her story, and then she wrote a book called Beyond Survival, detailing the events and her struggles after her attack in 1987. So she passed away at the age of 61 in June of 2016, and she lived after her attack, dedicating herself to a fight for privacy and anti-stalking laws. And advocating for victims who shared stories similar to hers. Good. So she was the founder of the Victims for Victims organization, which fought for the establishment of anti-stalking laws and advocated for victims' rights. So she was like, I lived through this, Mm -hmm. surprisingly, thankfully, and I'm not going to, like, have my life go to waste. I'm going to get back to these people, which is really cool. Uh, She lobbied for the 1990 anti-stalking law and later went on to support the Driver's Privacy Protection Act making it illegal for anyone to obtain private information on an individual through the DMV, which is how that private investigator got her information. And this act came into practice after the murder of actress Rebecca Schaefer, whose stalker Robert John Brado hired a private investigator who obtained her information from the DMV. So, like, this happened to a woman, short, another actress, right after it happened to her. And she was like, fuck no. this. Yeah, something's no, gonna change. We are passing this law. Which is really cool. So that's her story. This one was a little positive because she Lived. survived and the guy fucking died in prison. Right. Rightfully so. And there was a hero. Like, there was a guy that was like, I just need to help. Like, right. I'm not. And he pushed past several onlookers. Like, people were watching. Several people who were just like, yeah, I'm gonna watch this. Yeah. And he was like, fuck that noise. You're safe. So, That's go insane. that postman. I like that guy. 
I hope he's still alive and happy or had a good life. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Stalkers are crazy, man. I think a lot still needs to be done in terms of, like, justice for people that are in fear of that. Because it's like, now you can go to the police and say, I need a restraining order. And a lot of times they're like, I mean, there's nothing we can do. Yeah. Because you don't have enough evidence that this is happening. And we're like, we have the texts. We have the times that they've been to my house and watched me from the street. We have all of this. And I can't get a restraining order. That's, it's so fucked. I know. So, yeah. I don't know. This... This episode was interesting. Yeah. I think. And I'm house sitting until <laughs> Tuesday, yourself. so that's exciting. I don't know. I just It just feels like it hits close to home. Like, there are, like, we had our own stories, and I'm pretty sure every person out there has their own story. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just want everyone to be safe and <laughs> see something, say something. See something, say something. Dear God, please. Um, All right, well. We have gone on long enough about uh, real-life horrors, so we can let you go. Yeah. Stay spooky and don't get stalked. Yeah. And if you do, please be careful. Yes. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye.